0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It is a period of great turmoil in the video game space. Game preservation is an afterthought, and the industry is becoming increasingly monopolistic. As media becomes increasingly about brand building and intellectual property, Acquisitions squeeze out competition and limit the possibilities of what can be made in seemingly every facet of the entertainment industry. Perhaps worse than that, podcast hosts are doing gags that only really work in a visual medium. The evil empire known as the Walt Disney Company, which his host wants to clarify as evil because of their near monopolistic power over the film industry and their anti-labor practices and not because sometimes there's a gay person in their movies, continues to spread their influence on an industry that is losing its imagination. Blockbusters are becoming increasingly homogenous, and the relentless pursuit of money without regard for quality is causing beloved properties to be quickly milked for all their worth as long as they remain profitable. Homogeny is plaguing the galaxy. The Juggernaut franchise Star Wars in particular has fallen victim to this. Streaming shows that can be released at a faster rate with a lower budget has been the strategy to keep the franchise in the zeitgeist without much regard or care for how it affects the cultural perception of this franchise. But this podcast is not here to talk about what Star Wars means to Disney shareholders, or even argue about the quality of its products in the post-Disney acquisition. It is here to discuss what it means to someone who loves the franchise, and, in particular, a game set in a unique era brimming with new stories and opportunities. I'm Kiefer, and this is Select and Start. Kiefer's a guy who is doing his part to talk about why he thinks that games are art and gush over things that are near to our heart, so let's select a game and press start. Welcome to Select and Start, the show where we talk about meaningful and memorable video games. Once again, I'm grateful to have a friend on the pod. Uh, He is the co-host of the Medieval History podcast, We're Not So Different, and co-host of the Star Wars theme podcast, The People's History of the Old Republic. You may know him as at LucasAmazing on Twitter, I know him as my buddy... It's Luke. Luke, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing just fine. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. It's uh, a holiday weekend. We're recording this on uh, two days before Thanksgiving. So Mm -hmm. it's a little manic, but I'm super excited to finally get this episode out and record it because it's been a long time coming for me. Hell yeah. I got to tell you, it's already tough enough doing a podcast on a subject as volatile as video games. (laughs) And now I've got to talk about Star Wars as well. So seriously, thank you for coming on. But also, I got to level with you. I'm a little
1: fucked here. No, uh, not fucked here. you know I'm not uh I'm not <laughs> gonna judge you for you know any of that stuff, uh because uh I'd rather do many things than argue about Star
0: Wars in a lot of times, so and yet, you know, mm-hmm. but we both like each other, and we yeah. come to understand how we both view Star Wars because we've been in a group chat together for about three years now, from my experience. I've gotten to know you really well, but for the people who don't know you, please talk about what you do and what you like doing.
1: I am a stay-at-home dad and a, and a podcaster, basically. Um, I was at one time an attorney, but uh, that was a while ago, and you know, life circumstances and all that jazz. You know, like to play video games, like to read, play with my kid. I like to uh, write occasionally on some things whenever I can. Yeah. And it's just, I like to bake. I like to cook. So it's nice to, uh, you know, to be able to do all that stuff. And I mean, that's pretty much what I do. I do, uh, you know, I keep the house going, take care of the kid. And, uh, you know, then I, then I talk, <laughs> talk into this and then thing. You talk.
0: Yeah. Uh, you being a stay at home father and everything, you do have, you know, to raise a kid and you kind of become the first line of defense, but you're also sort of the tastemaker for your kid. Mm-hmm. How much of your taste have you been able to impress on your kid at the age that they're currently at?
1: Uh, well, she's about four. Um, so, like, a lot of that stuff is kind of like, you know, she's like, oh, Peppa Pig, oh, Bluey, you know, and I'm just kind of like, all right, you know what, I-, you know, like maybe try and steer her away from some of it. Like, I don't like this. I don't like this shit. Let's go watch something else, you know. But, like, uh, she wants to watch Star Wars. Uh, she calls it Space. Space? And she wants to watch it, but like it'll be one of the two, uh, the two heavy parts or the two like scary parts, you know, scary for like little kids. You know, like my parents were here a little while back and they were watching, I think, like The Force Awakens or something on Disney And she came in and it was the part where, like, uh, where uh, Kylo kills Han, and uh, she was like, Oh no, and like ran and like hid behind my uh wife and I was like, Oh yeah, we just need to turn this off <laughs> yeah. like she 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 was like trying to watch the end of Revenge of the Sith, like where Anakin mm-hmm. starts choking Padme. I'm like, No 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 When you're older. No. <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, not this. This is Yeah. So she she." Likes it. She likes, I have like fake lightsabers, uh, you know, that light up and she likes to play with those. She likes to mess around with my Legos. Uh, yeah. So she, she likes the stuff. Uh, I try to sneak it in there occasionally when she's not, you know, washing Peppa Pig. Or something.
0: Yeah. Sounds like she's the dominant tastemaker of the
1: household. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about some more stuff that you like here. Then uh, you're no stranger to the weirdos and sycophants as a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. uh, but gamers are their own breed of needlessly gatekeepy. So I'm gonna have to check your credentials here at the beginning. What's your relationship with video games like as a medium?
1: God, I've been I've been playing video games since I was jeez, I don't know. I really, I really did have an Atari like first before we had a Nintendo. We had an Atari, and like I, I, I remember it, you know. And at one point when I was like fifteen or sixteen we found it again in some stuff that was stored and it you know it didn't turn on or whatever. So I've been playing games forever. You know, taste change and everything like that over time. Uh I used to like to play a lot of like online and multiplayer kind of stuff. Like I like to play Overwatch for a little while like when that after that first came out. And now it's like, yeah, I'm gonna play single I'm gonna play single player stuff. I'm gonna play I'm gonna play Civ Six again mm-hmm. because I just like I can fire that up and waste like a few hours just like going through some fake map or whatever and uh you know, so I think now I do it as like either as something like where I'm just okay, I'm just gonna do this while I have some time to pass, or something like where I, I find a game or I find a series that I really like and I'm gonna like drill down drill down on that and just play all of it and figure it all out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like uh like the From Soft games. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you and I are in a FromSoft group chat together mm-hmm. uh, during the height of the Elden Ring thing. Did you sort of play through all those games in like a gauntlet, or are you kind of a seasoned veteran at this point?
1: I have a weird thing with it. I The first one of the games that I beat was Dark Souls 2. Right. I played Dark Souls before that and didn't like it for whatever reason. I think I was like, this is too hard or whatever. And then I like revisited Dark Souls 2 and I liked it and I played through it. Um. But then I didn't really play any of the other games for a while, uh, especially like when the baby was born and stuff. I just wasn't catching up or playing a lot of games or anything like that. So I missed Dark Souls three when it came out and Sekiro. So I just I went back and um, I played those before before Elden Ring came out, and then I played mm. Elden Ring, uh, or I, pl- I played Dark Souls three before Elden Ring came out, and then I played Sekiro and Bloodborne after that. So I like I mean I, I enjoy the games. I I love like the lore and everything in them. I'm decent at them. Like I can give you strategies for doing it. I might be able to kill some things on my own. But like the people who are you know who are like oh no get good like no I I'm not get good. I am let me find a gimmick to beat this thing so
0: <laughs> so yeah. I don't
1: have to You're not get good, you're get by. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I, I I get that. I am a casual fan in the sense that I enjoy these games, but I am not the kind of person that'd be be comfortable streaming them by any mm-hmm. means. Uh, I would not want somebody else to watch me play, but I do enjoy them quite a bit. Obviously, yeah. half of this podcast is just me raving about Elden Ring. <laughs> After that, it's Bloodborne, and mm-hmm. I played uh, Dark Souls, Dark Souls Three, mm-hmm. Dark Souls Two is generally considered to be a more controversial entry in the series, but I do also, but I've never played that one. And I sort of want your take on that, especially since a lot of people I've seen online sort of call Elden Ring a refinement of the ideas of Dark Souls 2. I
1: would say that Dark Souls 2, it has very, very interesting lore, which is important to me. Like, that's something that I like. Like, I like lore for lore's sake. You know, some people, you know, like, they want to find out lore, they're going to, you know, read a Wikipedia or whatever, and I'm just like, I like, when I find a thing that I would like, like Dark Souls or Star Wars or whatever, I like, I want to get all that lore down and so I think Dark Souls 2 has a lot of that. There are a lot of differences from Dark Souls and Dark Souls 3 that like people didn't really like, but I was talking to someone in Twitter DMs about this. I think like when the game first came out like 2014, 15 or whatever, you would see a lot of stuff where people just really hated the game. They just like they didn't like it. It was too different. It was like you, you had to like the leveling system was completely different, all these different abilities you had and everything like that. And so you would see stuff like, I hate dark souls. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't count. What the hell were they doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, this isn't what Miyazaki wanted, even though, I mean, he is kind of in charge of everything and, you know, decides all that stuff, but whatever. Um, but now when I see people talk about it, they're like, Oh yeah, you know, it was uh you know, it's the, it's, it's a, uh, better now like people talk about it and they seem to have like they they seem to like have more interest in it like i will say that it has compared to dark souls and dark souls 3 it has some rough edges that i understand why they bother people but i think on the whole it's great it has like the there's a character called uh called aldia and like he's like a tree head wizard thing and like that's about as up my alley as you get like it like you're combining like trees and wizards and yeah i'm just like okay yeah let's let's go let's do this shit yeah so i would say um it's fun it's got some warts in it that you have to kind of move around and the hitboxes in it are fucking wild sometimes but yeah if you get time you should play it uh there there are differences between the original version and the Scholar of the First Sin. I think Scholar of the First Sin is the one that you get now if you basically buy it anywhere. Um, and they redid some stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to replay it, and I'm interested to finally play through that version as a whole because I kind of like piecemealed it when I played through it the first time.
0: Gosh, gotcha. I really appreciate your uh, thorough <laughs> explanation as to uh, what's going on with that game. Uh, speaking a little bit more about lore-heavy things. Obviously, Star Wars is a big one for you, mm-hmm. Dark Souls, and that FromSoft arrangement, mm-hmm. I guess is one way of calling it. It's deeply, deeply heavy with lore and how it and gives you that lore is part of its charm. What are some other lore-heavy things that you sort of look to as a uh, something that like pushes those buttons for you?
1: It's cliche, but A Song of Ice and Fire, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, like Martin... God. He just... There's something about it. I don't I don't know what his thing is. I don't know what his deal is. Cause he's because like half the time, like you feel like he like he's like telling this joke with you. He's like, and this is the sigil of house Stark. And this is the sigil of house uh house uh car and this is and like he's naming all of them and it's 15 in a row and like if you've ever seen the simpsons you know the sideshow bob rake gag where he keeps stepping yeah. stepping on the rake and stepping on the rake and at first you're like this is funny and then you're like this is dumb it's gone on too long and then it keeps going for so long you start thinking it's funny again like that's how he like he like keeps naming them he keeps naming him and you're like okay he's in on the joke but then he like puts in stuff in there and you're just like god like how like He, his like wording is so evocative and stuff. He had this thing I always think about with the wall, you know, it's like 700, 700 feet tall, you know, 300 miles long or whatever. And it's, he calls it a hinge of the world. You know, if it breaks, the world breaks. And Mm -hmm. I like, I always think about that. Like, it's just, I don't know why, like he, he has like a command over it. That's great. And then, I mean, there's other stuff like, um, Lord of the Rings, um, obviously. And, uh, (laughs) fallout for some reason, I don't know why. And like sometimes I like try to get into Warhammer because people talk about it. And like I try to get into it and I'm like there's just there's so much of this. Man, I cannot read 60 uh horace Heresy books. Like I just can't. Like that's it's too much. <laughs> it's, just, it's just too much shit. Right. Stuff like that, but like anything with like decent lore that I'll just be like, "Okay, yeah, like I'm just going to go nuts into this." Like I did it with Halo for a while. Like Halo has quasi interesting stuff, so you know, cool to look into the background of that. Even though I haven't played any of the new games, and geez, I don't know, a decade. (laughs) I'm hearing that uh, the suit jacks him off. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all you need to know. The suit jacks him off. That's all. That's all there is. So, and then there was the Halo series, which I watched a few episodes of and forgot about. Um, (laughs) So you can see how great I thought that was. So
0: yeah, I mean, they don't even. Go to the titular Halo at any point. Mm -hmm. That's not
1: really a factor in the show, right? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think they got to the fall of Reach either.
0: What are we doing here? You know? Going back to Fallout a little bit, uh, you said for some reason, and I think I can speak to it a little bit, and it's just kind of the distribution of lore in that video game setting where you sort of do your wandering around in your overworld and then you find a vault and it's kind of like, oh great, a lore cave. And then you go in and you see the fucked up shit and piece it together what's happened here you read these documents files computer logs whatever's immediately available to you and then in some cases like i'm thinking about like the plant-based one in a uh, new vegas for example where it's just kind of like oh, what the hell yeah. happened here and then there's plant monster kind of things happening you, you just sort of enter lore zones and i think that's kind of the, the large appeal of that as a franchise
1: the the original stuff like the the way it was originally set out like it's very it's very interesting because you, you know, you have this like post-apocalyptic, but it's not post-apocalyptic in the sense of like, it happened three days ago, you know, it's post-apocalyptic in the sense it happened like, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100, 200 years ago. And, you know, so you've got this time for like an actual society and like other stuff to build up after that. And that's always something I think is interesting. Um, Evangelion um, does something that I really love, which is like, It shows that people are still doing stuff. Even after society is like falling in on itself, it shows that they're still doing all this shit. I really think that that is, that's something that I like, you know, when you see people like trying to rebuild, like however they end up trying to rebuild. I think, I always think that's interesting.
0: Right. I love those kinds of like what is an everyday life in a in a weird situation like you love it in fantasy and Evangelion is a great example of it mm-hmm. because it's like oh kids still go to school and that's the appeal to me of New Vegas over mm-hmm. the other Fallout games is you aren't some sort of predestined person like in the Bethesda games you are just a courier you you're doing a job every everyday life and then there is an inciting incident and that brings you into a larger world rather than the world sort of shaping itself around you and that's great.
1: Yeah. New Vegas is one of my favorite games ever. It's amazing. I love it. Like I remember when I was like, when I figured out I was able to like not side with one of these shitty groups that I didn't have to, and you could just choose the no gods, no masters ending. I was like, yes, yes, finally. I don't have to choose these assholes that I don't like and could just do this. And it's, I love that game. It's
0: an, it's an amazing game. We talked about it at length in the second episode of the show actually. And it is, nice an incredible g- there's no amount of time that you could dedicate to that game that really conveys the depth of it all it is mm-hmm. that's what video games should be just put as much shit into that as possible and let me figure it out kind of thing mm-hmm. and that's back to elden ring another great way of how they distribute lore and in terms of finding objective and things to do it'll point you in a direction but i don't know man there's there's other shit going on you
1: tell me my co-host of um we're not so different uh eleanor she she likes video games, but she doesn't really play herself that much. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I've done some streaming uh, with her with Elden ring and like she talks and I play through it. And um, (laughs) it's really funny because like we just started and you know, like you get the, you get the little side of grace and it, you you follow the trail of grace to where it's supposed to show you to where it shows you to go. And the first thing it does is it tells you to go into fucking Stormvale castle. Like, it's literally telling you to go in there and just get your shit rocked by Mm Margit. And, like, until you figure out, like, oh, I should go grind enough to actually, like, be able to beat this guy. Yeah. You know, I should grind some levels and I don't actually have to follow these things, like, directly every time.
0: Yeah. In New Vegas, that direction is like, yeah, you can. Go the f- shortest way to New Vegas, right but you're gonna have to go through clause. the death claws. And yep. the death claws are going to <laughs> there's absolutely no way in hell they aren't going to rock your shit. So maybe, Yeah. Maybe find another way around and then you can eventually get to that point. Video games are smart when they want to be.
1: Sometimes they 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 have their moments. <laughs> what else are you playing lately? I started playing uh Pentiment, which um is a new it's like a narrative adventure game um from obsidian. It's about like the late Middle Ages early modern era we uh actually recorded for the show earlier i talked to uh we talked to josh sawyer um who's the game director uh of that at, at obsidian um we talked to him earlier today about the game and he he had a lot of interesting stuff to say about you know the research and everything that went into it so i've uh, been playing that it was really cool because he, you know, could kind of go in depth and talk about, you know, all these books that it's based on and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, all these books that I've never read. Cause I'm not a medieval historian at all, but you know, like they're like talking about Umberto echo and I'm like, uh, huh. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Yeah. Umberto echo. I know that guy. Yeah, for sure. Mm,
0: nope, just no, politely not. No,
1: not my, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, talk to, talk to him. Pentiment is cool. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it right now. Um, I don't really get a ton of variety in the games that I play uh, now just because I have a kid. Uh, So it's kind of hard to like just, okay, I'm just going to pick up this new thing, you know, like I'm sure I'll get around to God of War Ragnarok in like, I don't know, six months, eight months, something like
0: that. Right. Moving the topic of still being within video games, not quite moving to the main subject yet. A lot of Star Wars video games, Mm -hmm. so many, in fact, in the early stages of me trying to develop a podcast, I considered, how about I try and play as many different Star Wars games as possible and make each episode talking about one? And <laughs> the, the weaknesses of that became apparent immediately with one, accessibility, even if I did, you know, yo-ho-ho, whatever. Mm-hmm. Two, there's, it's an overwhelming amount, especially in the earlier years prior to the uh, Disney acquisition. Basically, any genre imaginable, there's a Star Wars equivalent in the video game sphere. What would you say are your favorites?
1: So my favorite one is Knights of the Old Republic 2, which, uh, you know, is its own clusterfuck. And then Knights of the Old Republic, Fallen Order, which came out recently, was very, very good. Uh, you know, you combine the Dark Souls type thing, you know, with Star Wars and you do it really well. And that's just uh, that's just capnip to me uh i like the battlefield 2 re-release the like the newer one but that was because i was actually good at it uh you know it wasn't uh, it's not like the greatest game or anything uh i like the lego games a lot of the older games are really not good (laughs) they're not that great like when i was a kid people loved x-wing versus tie fighter and it's fine (laughs) just like it's like yeah it's cool like i you know whatever people liked it uh i liked republic commando um i always got frustrated with them but the dark forces you know kyle katarn games were always uh a lot of fun original battlefront was fun you know and i mean you know of course the pod racing games i mean who could forget being sebulba everybody's greatest dream to be sebulba that's when power
0: fantasy really became its ultimate form mm-hmm. in video games. Is when you could finally be Sabulba, the person who always
1: wins. <laughs> and then he lost to a nine year old. Oh, what a fucking loser. A nine year old had a
0: force. You can argue that's juicy. That's
1: true. That's true. HGH and all that. Yeah.
0: And he became a fascist. Maybe that's what, maybe that's it. Kyrie Irving has force sensitive and he's just turning to the dark side. Oh, Lord. Zeitgeist. So I played the new Lego Star Wars game recently, Lego Stars The Skywalker Saga. Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I could argue that that was my prep work for this episode instead of replaying KOTOR because I did that earlier this year when you initially agreed to come on the show and time has finally aligned to a point where we can actually both be on the show together. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I was almost blown away at how all-encompassing it was, not in just the sense that it is all nine movies Mm -hmm. uh, in the mainline Skywalker saga, but just how many different gameplay styles it assumes and does pretty competently. A lot of variety games uh, that do racing and flight simulator stuff mm-hmm. or the the typical action stuff it doesn't normally do it very well but this game it's, it's competent all of it and none of it's very deep but it all is very engaging to play mm-hmm. even none of it's very difficult because it is a game that is primarily for children
1: yeah yeah the lego games are great like they know what they are the humor like is there they know what they're doing you know like it's like you know what you're getting it's going to be cutesy you're gonna you're gonna laugh you're you know you're gonna be like oh i remember that you know oh, you know you're gonna have the thing where like luke is staring off at the twin sons and then like a blue milk drops out of the sky and hits him in the head or you know some like that you know that's what lego star wars is but it's great when you meet star wars at what it is trying to be it's a lot better than trying to like Than trying to like force it into some, you know, hole, you know, because, you you know, like if you go into the Lego games and you're like, ah, you know, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for like deep gameplay. Well, like, I don't know what to tell you. Go go somewhere else. No, that's not what
0: this is for. This is just it's ultimately fan service. The way that Legos are just sort of an accessory for your fandom for something. It is an extension of that. It is a fan service within fan service on that level. You're just engaging with the thing that you like in a different way. I'm not saying that games targeted towards children can't be difficult or anything like that, but this is it's not that. This is a game that just wants you to experience as much of it as possible. But I was surprised at just the, the breadth of everything. Like You get to that first hub area. In my experience, it was doing A New Hope, and it's that massive area outside of Uncle Owen's Farm. And I'm like, how, how big is this game? Oh, my God. So I enjoyed that. My first Star Wars game I ever played was actually the Pod Racer game on the Nintendo 64 uh, because that was what my brothers had. I was born in 96, so everything was prequels, prequels, prequels coming up. Star Wars Battlefront 2, the 2005 one, that was Mm -hmm. absolutely my jam, probably one of the games I've played the most in my life. I'm still waiting for another game like that to exist in some way that isn't... Like, even the new Battlefront games aren't scratching that itch for me. And, of course, I also do... Really enjoyed I Fall in Order for the Dark Souls of it all, the labyrinthian mm-hmm. Metroidvania style of gameplay to the uh, surprising depth to the actual mm-hmm. combat. Because I when I, re- I remember seeing the early trailers for it and I thought, oh, it's just an action game under the EA label. I don't know how I feel about mm-hmm. this. And then early reviews came out. And it's like, holy shit, it's actually it's actually something. Yeah. Okay. And. I'm genuinely excited for the sequel for that.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm excited for that as well. Interested to see where they go with that, you know, because uh, what are they going to do? They can't re- they can't rebuild the order yet. You're you're boxed out by the cannon. You got to you got to figure out a new story. I, you know, I'm sure it'll be good. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to find out what they do and like what me- gameplay mechanics they add and what new force shit they figure out a way to stick in there.
0: Yeah, for me, and I think you agree with me on this, it is kind of the game that (laughs) Star Wars The Force Unleashed wished it was at the time. That was a more, you know, I think they're both reflections of what the gameplay sensibilities of things were at the time. Uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed was trying to ape the Devil May Cry, God Mm -hmm. of War style of gameplay, doing the already kind of out of date by the time it comes out, uh, 2000 edginess functionally, Star Killers to Shadow the Hedgehog, Mm -hmm. and then... You have this new game, and it's Cal Kestis, who is just uh, he, he's just he's just a fucking guy. There's nothing to him yeah. as a character, but the gameplay itself, the world around him, is a lot more engaging. Actual interesting level design that isn't just you going down hallways and mowing down stormtroopers. Combat that feels consistent with the world that's been built. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed more yeah. that level.
1: Yeah, Fallen Order is um, it does it does something very interesting where it like. You know what's coming, you know what's building up to, you know you're gonna do there's gonna be like an order sixty-six thing here, you know that's all going to happen, and it kinda shouldn't work because you're like, you know, why do we need another order sixty six story? No, why do we need another Jedi just down on his luck trying to, you know, do something maybe good, maybe it's gonna, you know, and it's like, well, the reason we need it is because it's Star Wars and that's what they're gonna do, and it's really nice when they can like get a good story together from all these cobbled together parts. And the game is just way better than it had any reason to be like, like, especially respawn had never made any, had never made a game like that. It's just, I'm shocked that it was that good. Like they, they haven't made a roguelike or anything like that. You know, they had made Titanfall. They did it. I'm excited for the new one. Whenever, I don't know, whenever that comes out. No, I mean, I'm rooting for Respond. They're becoming a
0: developer that I have a lot more uh, respect for mm-hmm. recent years. Titanfall Two was really good. That single player campaign mm-hmm. rocked. Played a lot of Apex Legends when that was um, in, the, in the first year of that, and then Jedi Fallen Order was just really a damn good single player experience. That's what it felt like. It came out of nowhere, and it kind of got me through the rough patch I was having with Star Wars at the time because I remember uh, fucking the movie, mm. <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker, came out around that time, and that just sort of, just sort of like <laughs> that one felt. More defeating, playing through that in um in the Lego Star Wars thing. I didn't even enjoy it in that context, and I enjoyed playing through the prequels in that because, like it's like, oh, this is a story I'm familiar with. It's nostalgic. It's fun. it I don't really take issue with the aesthetics and the general mm-hmm. beats. It's just the presentation of everything. But with nine, you really see how hollow that movie is uh, as a story and how it moves around. It's its action sequences, how hollow mm-hmm. it all is when you actually experience it in an interactive, interactive setting, and it still isn't really much of
1: anything. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Nine is terrible. I, it was never going to be good. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be good. It was not good. With all the constraints on it it would like even if it even if it hadn't had abrams even if it had, had a better director with all the constraints that they put on it it probably would not have mattered like it's just like you can't put out like a like a franchise capper movie like that in 18 months or whatever you know whatever it was you, you just you can't and all these people had all these hopes for it and I was i just remember trying to tell people like just don't go and just don't expect anything from it cuz you're just going to get you just going to get let down. I don't know. We were all let down. Everybody was let down.
0: I expect nothing, and I'm still let down. But you no, know, enough shitting on the movies for a second. Um I wanted to sort of talk more about the video game relationship that uh Disney has had with Star Wars and how that has negatively impacted things instead. We'll, we'll trade one negative for another. So, I mentioned earlier that there haven't been as many Star Wars video games being developed as there was was even 10, 15 years ago. And that has to do with the Disney acquisition of Lucasfilm and consequently Star Wars Mm -hmm. as an intellectual property, which led to the closure of LucasArts, the gaming division for Lucasfilms. Shortly after, Disney announced a partnership with Electronic Arts, EA, uh, where they would have exclusive rights to produce Star Wars games for console and PC for a number of years. And having an exclusive partnership with one company, is just going to limit the number of games that's mm-hmm. going to be produced for a number of years, even in a in a crank factory like EA. Uh, their main priority, especially under the new management of Disney and handling the property of Star Wars, was developing games that would fall under the new, less expansive Star Wars canon that Disney has laid out. So the two new Battlefront games, Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Squadrons, were produced in this time. And really trying to focus on the story uh, for squadrons and jedi fallen order and battlefronts 2 to some extent but there wasn't a lot of imagination there wasn't a lot of like interesting ideas they could really Mm -hmm. explore beyond really uh, jedi fallen order and look like legends before not every star wars game was good not every legends thing was inherently good not all of it was inherently worth pursuing i wouldn't Mm -hmm. even say most of the video games that they made were good beforehand but we had a much wider variety back then Gems in the rough. We had racing games like Pod Racer, You talked about Republic Commando and we talked about Battlefront 2, the original Rogue Squadron, Jedi Knight. Those were all beloved games that came out and not only sold well, critically respected, you know, fed the love of Star Wars, but there were also sort of moments in time where you got to see the sensibilities of games mm-hmm. be represented through Star Wars. But as of 2021, uh, EA no longer holds exclusive rights to develop Star Wars games, but they can still develop games. That's why there's a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order even coming out. But this expands the potential for future Star Wars video games, at least a little bit. So with all that being said, what would be your ideal Star Wars game?
1: Well, because I love the Old Republic era, it would be something said in that. It would probably be something like, action rpg or an open open world open universe type thing set around the old like tales of the jedi comics the old not not the not the new show that came out recently but the old comics from the 90s uh i've always been a big fan of so like something like that like i mean if they weren't gonna do like a remake of anything like i think that would be something that i would really like because i like open world games like i've i'm i don't Really like when I'm like restricted to like singular paths, usually, which is you know, it's weird that I even like the Dark Souls games in the first place, you know, and Elden Ring kind of felt like a revelation of that, you know, like you could just go everywhere instead of being stuck on like these very linear paths. And so, like, I, you know, I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, you get open world, you get like RPG elements because I like to be able to min max my characters and all that because, you know, I mean, of course, and then, um. Just, just have it have a shit ton of lore and just be a fairly deep system, and I'll, you know, and I'll be happy. Like it's, I don't know, it's really hard. But like, if you somehow made Fallen Order deeper in the RPG elements, but also like open it up to more to like open world, like that would kind of be my ideal for that. Even though I would choose a different setting if it were up to me.
0: Gotcha. So I'm gonna mark you down as Elden Ring Star Wars.
1: Let's do it. Let's go. Let's do <laughs> Elden Ring Star Wars. Let's right. um, Lucasfilm, give me that uh money and I will write you that story. <laughs> I promise. I will get it out. It may not be good, but I'll write it.
0: We'll get George R. R. Martin again. We'll put you on this mm-hmm. we'll put you on there. We'll get literally any other protagonist besides Cal Kestis. And
1: we'll we'll, we'll, get, hey, you, listen, we'll get you a new ten you know, out of ten. He's he's trying his best. He's just not it's not it's not his fault. He was a dweeb with uh with red hair, you know. I
0: just think of that. I think you
1: should leave. A bit
0: like figure out what you do. He's
1: trying. He's trying. What, he's, what's he's, your deal? He's been living in. Uh,
0: he's been living on a factory. You know. On a, do you think that would make him more interesting? That he's he nope. suffered so much trauma over years. He can't talk about it. He can't talk about it. Yeah, that's how you know depression doesn't make you inherently artistic. No, because yeah. look at that guy. What what's going on in his head? He can play guitar, I guess.
1: Yeah, he could play bass guitar. Yeah. Wonderwall. He's yeah. fucking great with Wonderwall. I'm spending too much time dunking on a game that I really like. Um, yeah, it, that's that's what the podcast is
0: for, right? Kind. Of, no, I mean I, I try to be positive.
1: Oh, I just meant like I mean if if you can't if you can't joke about the games you like, what are you going to do?
0: Oh yeah, we have plenty of time to talk about the things that KotOR could have done better. Um, speaking of a game that I would want, I would really like a new take on the Bounty Hunter formula. Yeah. Uh, the, the the PS2 Bounty Hunter game. Very, very worse for wear in terms mm-hmm. of aging. I think it, if we get something less janky, just more modern, mm-hmm. a lot more expansive, I really like the way that bounty hunting is laid out in the original Red Dead Redemption. Just have something that like moves the narrative forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's really all that I would need. Just just a decent bounty hunter story in Star Wars. Yeah.
1: You know, now that I think about it, um, I didn't much like the Old Republic MMO because I don't like MMOs uh, basically at all. But one of the storylines in that uh, is like an Imperial agent who's, you know, like an Imperial smuggler or whatever. And uh, the storyline was written by uh, Alexander Freed, who's written some other star Wars books and stuff. And it is uh, it's, it's pretty good. Like it's, it's pretty dang good. So like, if, if you're kind of the type of person who's like, you know, I want like a, you know, I want like a, some smuggler, you know, like bounty hunter type shit. Like that's a good one to like go after. Like, you know, I don't like Sotor because yeah. Not an MMO fan, but there are a lot worse ways to uh, spend your time. Star Wars gaming.
0: <laughs> I'm interested because I never got to check out uh, the Old Republic mm-hmm. MMO, so I mean, I, I, I'd be happy to at least explore that on a narrative level.
1: The the MMO like is just batshit. Like I think at like at some point, you know, a couple years after they started, they were like, "Look, we're starting a new canon." You just do whatever the hell you want here. Like this is like sandbox, you know, whatever. And so they just they just keep it going. Like they released an update three months ago, four months ago, another one. Yeah, I'm surprised at how long it's kept
0: up because I remember it was it was a big deal when Galaxies yeah, yeah, finally yeah, ended.
1: Know. But
0: I mean it, it has loyalists. There are lots of people who, who just love the Bioware stuff and then this is kinda like the last refuge for the older public stuff, especially since none of it is technically canon yet. I, I, I just admire that it's still going. We've talked about Star Wars. we talked about video games in general. Mm-hmm. You said that you wanted to talk about the KOTOR games. I figured, why not start from the beginning and then maybe save KOTOR 2 for another day? You've done a whole podcast about this era of uh, this world in Star Wars. It has massive, massive influence on the people that played it. And there are just people craving more and more. You picked Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> The discussion moving forward will contain spoilers for the Knights of the Old Republic series. Listen at your own risk. Some background information before we get started and talk about what this game means to you personally, Luke. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was developed by Bioware, known at the time for Neverwinter Knights and the Baldur's Gate franchise, known in the years since primarily for Mass Effect and Dragon Age. It is an RPG with systems based on the Wizards of the Coast Star Wars role-playing game, itself based on the D20 role-playing system from the third edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Rather than the traditional action combat seen in games like Star Wars Jedi Knight, combat is round-based with a limited number of moves you can make per round with each party member. Alignment and morality is a fixture of this game, and your actions and responses to events determine whether your character aligns more with the light or the dark. You choose the name, background, class, and appearance of your character, the main restriction being they have to be human. This game was directed by Casey Hudson, who also directed Neverwinter Nights in the Mass Effect trilogy. And it was written by uh, Drew Carpichan, who wrote the first two Mass Effect games, a trilogy of Darth Bane novels between 2006 and 2009, as well as the two novels set in the Old Republic era that serve as supplementary material for the 2011 MMO, Star Wars The Old Republic. The music of Knights of the Old Republic was composed by Jeremy Soule, also known for his work on games such as the Elder Scrolls series, the Guild Wars series, and Star Wars Bounty Hunter. He was only 27 when he composed this game, which certainly makes me feel inadequate. Technical limitations prevented him from being able to use an orchestral score for the game, so he used a MIDI system to replicate the sound of real instruments. This mm-hmm. was extremely common practice at the time, but for some reason this surprised me because it does a really good job replicating the sound of a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought that those were MIDI instruments the same way that music on the Nintendo 64 was, or mm-hmm. music in the early 2000s of video games was. So it does feel very cinematic in that way. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was released in 2003 on Xbox and PC. Other notable games released in 2003, GTA Vice City, Tony Hawk's Underground, The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, Prince of Persia Sands of Time, Tom Clancy Splinter Cell, Soul Calibur 2, Final Fantasy X-2, Max Payne 2, Jack 2, Beyond Good and Evil, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, and I mentioned this game because I know you're a huge fan of the show, The Simpsons Hit and Run.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a game I hadn't thought about in a long time.
0: Yeah. So despite being released in such a stacked year, KOTOR won over 40 Game of the Year awards from various publications and was listed as the third best game of the 2000s by video game and media website IGN, mm-hmm. uh, losing out only to Shadow of the Colossus and Half-Life 2. But we're not here to talk about the worth of KOTOR with number values or accolades. We're here to talk about how it made an impact on the people who played it. So let's get into it. You co-hosted a podcast that documented this era in detail. What makes Knights of the Old Republic and that era of the franchise so compelling to you?
1: So, in A New Hope, when Obi-Wan does his thing, when he, when he does the best exposition in the history of film, because it just two minutes and it just unfurls, you know, 50 years of expanded universe shit. You know, He says, for a thousand generations, the Jedi have been defenders of peace and justice in the Republic and when a lot of people hear that like their initial reaction is like oh, okay after you watch that after you watch the movie you come back to it you think about that you're like that's great obi-wan i want to see more stuff about luke and han and leia hanging out and doing their thing and going through everything and that is to me i think the like the big reaction that people have the the obi-wan thing kind of opens up this universe and it gives you so many Things that you can do within the universe that you can like imagine that, you know, Luke and Han and Leia are going on like any kind of adventures. Like so Obi-Wan gives a speech, and most people just take that as like an invitation to mess about in the universe, like right there. For me, I was like, okay, well. If they've been doing this for thousands of years, and there were a ton of them, like that's what I want to see. I want to see all these guys with lightsabers. I am want to see what they're doing. Like I want to see aliens with lightsabers. I just want to see all of this. Knights of the Old Republic is one of the first things that really allowed you to see that. Like you can kind, you can see it a little bit in the Tales of the Jedi comics. You can see like all of you know you could see all of these like Jedi together and they're fighting some Sith or whatever but like with KOTOR you see like the Old Republic and all of these Jedi and they're just fighting like dark Jedi fighting Sith you know there's like the Sith are not some like hidden theocratic force or whatever that rules the Empire they're like a galaxy spanning power and you know, you get to see all that. And like, to me, like when I first saw that, like it like fired that thing in my mind. Like I've always wanted to see like, just all these Jedi fighting, all these Sith, you know? And, and, you know, that's what KOTOR gave me. And, and I liked it so much, you know, I ignored the fact that it is turn-based and I fucking hate turn-based games. Just hate them. Yeah. I remember like the first time I picked it up, I played it for like, 30 minutes and then i was like i hate this i'm never playing it again and then i went back and played it for like eight straight hours or whatever (laughs) (laughs) no it
0: is uh it's a game that pulls you in despite a lot of stuff trying to push you out uh we'll talk about the things that the game could do better in a bit we'll get there trust me it it clearly has a lot of value for people because of the story that it tells and the unique setting for it, which is whereas a lot of Star Wars media, especially in the past few years under the Disney umbrella, has been very obsessed about telling the story within the Skywalker saga, within the S- Darth Vader as the central entity. This stuff just mm-hmm. sort of pulls way away from that. It doesn't have any... Way of referencing things 5,000 years out of the way, like what is a Skywalker? That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We just have a story that we can tell in this world that is just completely unhindered by all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it to me does the like the promise of the Star Wars universe with like this massive time frame and these aliens and millions of worlds and trillions upon trillions of people and it's like it fulfills one of those things because it gives you a sandbox to play in to like really take it and just let it run wild like you're not constrained by vader you're not constrained by luke you're not constrained by all these things that constrain you in the here and now and you could be like yeah this happened a long this happened 3500 years before this you know so there can be as many sith as you want there to be there can be as many jedi as you want to you know like you don't you are not Hindered by this, and there are a lot of people, even people who work for Lucasfilm who who think that like having such an expansive timeline, you know, implied by Obi-wan's 25,000 year thing, they don't like it. And I mean, I get that like if you're writing content for it, you know, to each their own, but like at the same time to me, like this game is proof that you can do this and you can do it right. and like you could just shove it in there and you can make something that people fucking love. And you don't have to stick to this tiny time frame. I love Luke Skywalker as much as anyone, but like, just move away from the time frame. Like, you you can do it. Like, you can have all this stuff, and that is what having a timeline that's so expansive allows you to do. That's the promise of Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, where would you rank this in like the big thing of Star Wars? I know this is a kind of reductive question. Rank your babies. Rank this big, expansive universe, but. In terms of like everything Star Wars that you personally love, where would you put this game?
1: Empire is first. Empire will always be first. I don't think I don't think anything'll ever beat that. I love Andor, but I'm sorry. It's not the greatest movie of all time. Um, I would say it's like after like my favorite movie, like my five or six favorite movies, it's like up there right after Kotor 2. Even the deficiencies that the game has um, the clunkiness that that is there sometimes. Like I don't, I don't really care. It's this story that I love, and the story's cliche. It just relies on all these tropes, but it doesn't matter because it's fun as hell. And they did a whole lot with it, and they made it work. You know? Oh, he's got. Oh, you've got amnesia. Like that's you know, it's the oldest, dumbest trick in the book. And now you know
0: it works because of the way it's presented. Before we get into all the great things that KOTOR does, let's talk about the story for a second here. The story of this game follows your customizable human player character who awakens on the Republic ship, the Indar Spire, being attacked by an army led by the Sith Lord Darth Malak. You narrowly escape the ship with your war hero Karth Anassi to the nearby planet Terrace where you work together to find the Jedi Knight Bastula Shan before Darth Malak can. Bastula is coveted for a unique Force Ability Battle Meditation, which boosts the morale and ability of your allies while also eroding the will of your enemy. While searching for Bastula on a tutorial planet Terrace, you encounter the majority of the game's companions, including the Scoundrel, Mission Vow, a teenage Twi'lek, and her Wookiee companion Zalbar, as well as the utility droid T3M4, and the morally flexible Mandalorian and low-level drug dealer Kanderous Ordo. After working together to rescue Bastula from the Black Volker gang, you escape the planet on the freighter ship the Ebon Hawk, moments before the planet's surface, is destroyed by Darth Malak's forces and in a failed attempt to kill Bastula for good. Bastula, unimpressed by your rescue efforts but intrigued by your force sensitivity, brings you to the Jedi Temple on Dantooine where you discover a deeper understanding of the force, as well as Bastula. You also discover a star map, a piece of a larger map which leads to the Star Forge, the ultimate weapon designed by a long-thought-extinct civilization. The Council sends you and Bastula to travel the galaxy and find these star maps before Malak and get more information about the Star Forge. Joining you is the rest of your crew, which later grows to include the Grey Jedi Julie Bindo, Juhani, a Jedi struggling with a temptation to fall to the dark side, and HK-47, an assassin droid with murderous urges against all organic life. Great story overall, but what really sells the game is the characters and their interactions with you as the player. What do you think of this game's crew, and who are your favorites, and is there anybody you think doesn't really work in the the ensemble?
1: No, see, that's the thing about KOTOR. KOTOR gets all of the companions. It nails them all. Well, T3 and 4 doesn't really do much, um, but in the second game he gets like a whole tutorial level. Anyway, um... Other than T three M four, like they just nail it. Like they get like one of, if not the most memorable droids in the entire series in HK forty seven, which is you know like if you combine three PO and Bender from Futurama, uh, you know you like that's kind of what you get.
0: I am like a veritable fable, warning against the karma caused by murdering others, a morality tale, if you will. What
1: utter irony. Shut up and get to the point! Jilly Bindo calls himself a Grey Jedi, like the only character in all of Star Wars to call himself that. He's like, he's just a cranky old man, but it's written so well, and you just kind of love him. Light side, dark side, they don't mean the same to me as they do to you. I don't see in absolutes. I want to stop Malak as much as anyone, but I don't have to join the order to do it. Look at Karth, or Candarus. They're with us in this quest, but they aren't Jedi. The capacity for good or evil, like the Force itself, is in all living creatures. And I mean, just like everybody else, I had a crush on Bastilla. It um, was huge, you know, just... Oh, she sure. was so hot. You have a great gift. You have an awesome command of the Force, and I tremble when I think of how you might misuse it. Wow, he's very nice. No, it just, it nails it. Like, you got Candras there looking like Ron Perlman, you know? It's just, even, like, Mission. She's, like, 14, and you're like, oh, God, this is going to be so annoying. But she's, she's not really, you know? She's actually kind of cool, you know? They nailed it. I play a lot of these types of RPGs. I've played the Mass Effect trilogy. There's always,
0: like, mm-hmm. two or three stinkers in any Mass Effect game, especially in the later sequels where they try and make the crew seem bigger. But this game is kind of just all meat, no fat. T3 is just sort of nothing, not even there really. Like You think, oh, this is going to be something eventually. And he's just like, beep, boop, bop, boop boop, boop. And you'd be like, all right, cool. Can I have a spike now? Um, HK is just an extremely funny character. And there aren't a lot of just funny characters in Star Wars like that. Mm -hmm. There's funny stuff that happens. There's little moments, but there's never just a character that is consistently funny like that. Bashla, like you said, very very hoity toity, very very stern, but also extremely hot, and it has informed mm-hmm. my taste in mm-hmm. a lot of shit, and I'm still working that out. Anyway, her
1: like great 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 granddaughter appears in uh, the old republic. Uh, Satil Sean, and I've always had a crush on Satil. She's great.
0: I don't know who that is. You're, you're, t- you're, you're saying words to me. I'm hearing them. I'm registering mm-hmm. them. They don't make any sense to me, but no. Bashla is the OG, you know, hot girl in a video game that is extremely well-written, has a lot to her. She would be contentious in this fucking culture war stage of Star Wars Mm -hmm. where a woman has some level of resistance to you and gives you pushback, even though you do everything seemingly Mm -hmm. correct. But no, she's very interesting. And that relationship and dynamic that develops with you two, depending on if you're a male character, that romance that develops, or just the general sense of respect that you get, regardless of whatever you are. I like that. I like that it is a
1: slow burn. Mm -hmm even Juhani uh who kind of should be you know just like a throwaway character you know the one that that people don't you know just another jedi who's in there but like she ends up having this really cool backstory um the level of care that went into every one of these characters is just shocking right uh, I remember hating karth uh, as a yeah. kid just because yeah, of course because he's just kind of the problem with Karth is that he's right. Like that's his problem.
0: He's just annoying about it. When you're an adult, and you understand interpersonal relationships <laughs> a lot more, you start to understand like, yeah, this guy has a lot of reasons to be apprehensive and doing like that the you know that the, the storyline involving his fucking kid on the Sith planet. You're like, "All right, you know what? You're actually a deep character." you do say some annoying stuff on the fucking interminable tutorial planet where you're stuck with just him and him alone but you're supposed to have that kind of apprehension there and that apprehension exists with you and bastula like you earn the respect you lose the respect and then you regain that respect by developing and that's kind of the bioware formula for years mm-hmm. to come but this game still feels like the best implementation of that just because like it doesn't go from one minute they're like fuck you shepherd you know, player character or whatever you are, and then two minutes later after doing one single mission, like, I love you forever now, you're God. <laughs> no, it, it it's it's a 30-hour give and take.
1: Yeah, they just... um is the best group of companions that BioWare's ever done. And I love the Mass Effect games, but yeah, it just...
0: No, I love the Mass Effect games. I, I like joking about them too. Maddie, if you're listening to this episode, you know I love the games. Don't worry <laughs> about that. This is Star Wars. It's always going to be... The OG, I have a context mm-hmm. for it that this game only enriches Jahani is great because number one, the what Jahani represents broadly being one of the very first positively depicted, named gay characters in video games. The very, I think
1: the first romanceable gay character in any video game. I think. I, I think don't, so. I think I don't know that for a fact, but yeah, she's yeah, she's a lesbian. And if you mm-hmm. um if you have a lady revan, you can romance her. And yeah. uh yeah, they actually Uh, we're very intent on putting that in the game because originally when it shipped a male or female Revan could romance Juhani and then they patched that out later. So it would just be a female Revan. So it was something they, you know, they, they wanted to have in there and they made an affirmative step to keep it that way.
0: Yeah, exactly. The first canon gay character in Star Wars until she's no longer canon anymore. So Disney is kind of negative one in terms of gay representation in one way. Yeah. And I think you're right. Maybe the first romanceable gay character. It depends. I think Fallout Two does have mechanics for that, and I think oh, okay. that was earlier. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. Yeah,
0: but I I do think that it, if not the first, maybe the second. Like mm-hmm. it, it is,
1: it is narrow. Yeah, it's rare. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean it's not an accolade we want to give out, but it is in yeah. 2003 when I mean we see how things are even fucking two days ago. But mm-hmm. it's it's just it's admirable, and I, it really. Really think that Jahani deserves more credit, number like as a character, but also just for like understanding what that meant in fucking 2003. So, great character, HK 47, Riot. Uh, I never really thought much of Candarus until this most recent playthrough either, but he's just got the best war stories. He's great to listen to. I just wrote him off initially, but he's there's so much to him.
1: He just loves Revan, fucking loves Revan. Yeah. No one. No one loves Revan more than than, than Um yeah, his war stories are great. There's one like where he encounters something at the edge of the galaxy and like the way he describes it, you're just kind of like, okay, that's weird. But then like if you've read any uh, the other EU stuff, you realize that it's a Yuzon Vong ship. And the Yuzon Vong are just this thing that happens later after, like during Luke Skywalker's time, it's a whole whatever uh after the original trilogy thing in in legends um and like it's just little stuff like that and you're like that story like it doesn't do like a lot to be like oh yeah like i remember you know like it's like i think it's the crispin system like i barely even remember the name of it you know it's just like you don't like you're not there like because of like what it says you're there because like when you figure out that like he's talking about yuzan vong you're like yeah 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 i know what you're doing and like you know so it just kind of adds that extra like lived in dimension of this because you're like oh okay so like they were dealing with you know he he saw this thing even before you know thousands of years later you know
0: Candras and Jolie and the fucking tuscans on tatooine they all represent what has made kotor so memorable for people it's not mm-hmm. the combat it's not the action in the game it is the stories the stories that people tell you that you work your way to earn it's not just stuff that you're reading on a wikipedia web page it's not just an article you're reading on a computer you're developing a relationship with an individual or a culture and as a result you're rewarded with deeper information it is mm-hmm. <laughs> fundamentally a, a story about building relationships and building trust because yeah. as your player character you are fucking Revan. But yeah you, you you've you are building these relationships. And if you play dark side that's the kind of consequence of that. You don't get the intimacy reward mm-hmm. as something. You miss out on a significant portion of the game and what it represents. That's what I love about the game.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned the Tuscan thing. Like the Tuscan storytellers, this um, if you take HK 47 and you do all these steps, you can get the Tuscans to like kind like be friendly to you because like you prove to them you're not a, a threat. And then you can talk to their storyteller and the storyteller is like this it's this entire like oral tradition thing where they just pass the stories down and like only the storyteller can tell them and they can't interrupt and it can't be like edited or massaged or whatever you know and you get this guy talking and he just talks and like you you figure out that like they're like drawing this entire like backstory that happened like 25,000 years before this thing that happens, like 3,500 years before the original trilogy movies, and so, like, this is before the Republic. And like, this guy talks about how they're like the Jawas and the Tuscans were originally one race, and when the rakata this like ancient. Precursor species that are responsible for the star forges and everything, uh, they like enslaved the planet. And the, the, this, this race on Tatooine tried to fight back, and the Ricotta were like, fuck that. And Tatooine was like a jungle planet with like oceans and stuff, and they just, Glassed it until it was sand um, and caused like this race to devolve into the Tuscans and the Jawas. And you get through this whole story, and it's just like how much effort went into to that background. And now, I mean, like, that is like, I mean, yeah, Book of Boba Fett sucked, but like, that's in there. Like, they say in that that like the planet used to have water. Like that is a direct reference to like KOTOR and it's, you know, it's like you, you see stuff like that. And for me, like, you know, I got a lot of, you know, I got problems with the Disney Canon or whatever, but like when you see stuff like that, it just, it warms my heart. Cause I'm like, yes, like that is, that is what I want you to do with the Canon is, is that right there.
0: Yeah. You get those little shades of people give a fuck about this stuff and they want to honor the great stories that existed prior to the changeup. That's a story that just breaks down the, uh, the The fundamentals of what colonialism is, and parallels to a lot of real world treatment of underdeveloped countries in Africa, because of resource wars and developing mm-hmm. making tribes uh, fight against each other in proxy wars, and it's just all of that woven into the tapestry of a of a species that is only depicted negatively in the context of the films, mm-hmm. uh, and are generally just ah uh, do not have any spoken dialogue in those films. That is, just they take one very small facet of uh, Star Wars and they create so much out of it. It's it's mm-hmm. amazing. That alone justifies this whole game. I will fucking endure twenty hours of whatever combat if I get to encounter stuff like that. Uh, so before we get into the the criticisms and breaking down more into what makes this game so special, uh, I do do a segment on this show about accessibility in video games. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's called No Country for Old Games. This is a segment where we rate how easy it is to access older games on a scale of A to ARG, which is not me doing a pirate voice, it's me complaining how hard it is to get old games, and it's not an advocation for piracy whatsoever. That's illegal. Uh, Parody, parody, (laughs) non-actionable. As I've said before, I am passionate about the subject of video game preservation, the preservation of stories, the stories that we tell, the stories that this game tells even. And I think it is necessary for people to have access to older titles, because if we want to talk about video games as an art form, we do have to talk about keeping it safe and sacred and being able to pass it down to new generations. And we'll Mm -hmm. talk about the litany of ways this game can be played in a moment. But first, I want to know, Luke, when you want to revisit this game, how do you play it?
1: I have it on the Switch now. And I think that's it's weird because I think the Switch is probably like the best way to play it right now, unless you have an Xbox console and then you can play it like you could just play it on your Xbox. Um, But the Switch, I mean, the Switch version, like. It, to me is very accessible you know like if you have a switch you can you know you could play the game and you could play it like it runs the problems with the game aren't that you can't play it it's just it's very much showing its ears it's very clunky right. it, you know it's it's got a very clunky system right now a lot of the UI and in, in the game is very weird so from an accessibility standpoint of like actually being able to play it now it's it's very accessible now the Mm. sequel is not but that's another story for another time Um, right but yeah accessing it is not that hard (laughs) your mileage may vary on how uh on how well it holds up from from a graphics and gameplay standpoint yeah as far as overcoming the
0: obstacles of playing the game once it's in your hands that's 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 definitely another conversation but it is very easily accessible you can easily buy it on pc I bought it 10 years after its original release on Steam around 2013. You can still do that to this day. It's not going anywhere as long as Steam still exists. It can be easily purchased on the iOS uh, and Android devices. It's been ported over to the Switch like you said. And if you still... Yeah,
1: Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I will say that the Steam version is probably the least accessible version because it doesn't have any online support. It didn't have any... like basically they just put it on steam and that's what it is <laughs> to me like it's better to play this on like an iPad than it is on like steam
0: what is the uh online support with Progressive they game?
1: they didn't they didn't do any support for the game other like they just stuck it there and like it's not really optimized for it like right I agree with that <laughs> yeah it, you know it just You know, like when you play it on the Switch, like you can tell like they at least went through and they like they reconfigured like the button layouts and everything like that for the Switch controller and all that. And with Steam, it's just kind of like, yeah, you get what you get.
0: The only way I could play this game and not, you know, fucking have my eyes bleed was by downloading Nexus mods and finding something that would make it supported in widescreen. And then suddenly the game was like fucking great looking. It was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I had a great time playing it on PC that way. If you're just raw dogging it on Steam, you're probably not going to have a good time.
1: Yeah. Pick it, literally just play it on your iPhone or Android phone before you play it on Steam. I'm not not kidding. Like, it's not the best in the world, but it's better than Steam.
0: Yeah. If you still own an original Xbox copy of the game, it is backwards compatible on the Xbox One. I'm not sure if it is backwards compatible yet on the new Xbox Series X and S yet, but I do know Microsoft in general is better at giving backward compatible support to their games in general. And this was never a game that was released on PlayStation. So if you insist on playing it on consoles, Xbox is the way to go. Despite it being 20 years old, I would say KOTOR is not unreasonably accessible. Like you said, it's not a matter of access so much as enjoying the game uh, Mm -hmm. on its terms. Uh, You can literally download this game on your phone. Really, the only ethical question is if you're willing to give your money to EA, since they are the owners of the developers of this game, BioWare. But that's a different conversation different conversation. But yeah, not an A, not not an ARG necessarily, but Mm -hmm. right down the middle for me. That concludes that segment. Let's jump back into the game. We've talked about this game and how great it is at telling stories what are other things uh, on a video game level that you think kotor does that you think more video games in general should do
1: the care that it takes to to make the whole thing immersive like if you don't make it immersive if you don't see the character face that you chose at the beginning of the game and that you've seen in all of these you know dialogue scenes and everything like that if you don't see that face when it's revealed that you are Revan, it doesn't mean as much, you know, like, you're just like, okay, whatever. Like I'm this guy, you know, like I'm this random Sith Lord, like it it immerses you like that. And it does like, it does sprinkle like the clues. And like, when you go back, you're like, oh yeah, I should have noticed like that he, or that I, or that she is the Sith Lord. Like I should have noticed that. And you, and a lot of times you don't because the game is written in such a way to like when you're going through it, like you can like gloss, you just gloss over, it. you know, like you, like Karth, like the first thing Karth says to you after you wake up on terrace is, you know, I've heard the Jedi can do terrible things. I've heard the force can do terrible things to the mind. You don't, you know, don't trust the Jedi. They can fuck with your head. And like, I mean, he's right. Like, I and mean, when you go back and play it, you're like, ah, I see it. It's, it's so carefully done. And like the missions are very well done. They're not, I mean there's filler in there don't get me wrong it's an rpg all rpgs have filler but um the quests are very good they're very memorable there's like a woman who like her husband dies and so she basically turns her protocol droid into a sex droid like i still remember like i remember the whole thing like i, I remember like the whole quest structure and everything to this day and it's just great like if you do dark side playthrough Revan can use the force to force Zalbar the Wookiee to choke Mission to death. Like at the end of the game, like when you're turning to the dark side and you're doing that. And once you do this, like Zalbar goes crazy and tries to kill you and then you kill him. And I mean, like that is like, it's just like one of the worst choices like I've ever seen presented in a game in terms of like, you know, like, yes overwhelm the mind of this creature to kill his best friend like with his bare hands you're just like god that's fucking horrifying but at the same time like they've built this game and you're like yeah I i can see how we got there like it's not just shock that's thrown in there just because like you got there because like you know if you're gonna be evil you're gonna be fucking evil in this game
0: yeah, there are gestures at moral complexity uh, vis-a-vis mm-hmm. like how the Jedi Council treats your player character. Obviously, Jolie's mm-hmm. you know, hang-ups are pretty valid with the Jedi Council, but generally that it's, you, you have an understanding of what is generally very good and what is generally very depraved behavior. And a lot of your dark side alignment mm-hmm. points are mm-hmm. accumulated by you just being an out-and-out asshole to people, mm-hmm. uh, people who do not deserve to be treated like an asshole specifically. But it surprises you from time to time in very uh, small ways and the ways that it depicts cruelty and evil, especially in a game where, oh, it's not just the fact that you are forcing a Wookiee to kill a child. It is you are forcing this character that you've developed Mm -hmm. a relationship with and has a life debt to you and forcing him to kill his best friend, essentially, who, again, is a teenager who also has a lot of her own problems. and. When the Darth Revan reveal happens, that is the first person who has your back as mission. There is depths to the depravity in, in your decision to have Zalbar do that. Yeah, I mean, it is not the most com- morally complex game in the world, but it is very, mm. very good at depicting what evil is.
1: Like, you can't be kind of quasi-evil. Like, if you're going to be evil, you have to kill or run off Karth, mission, Zalbar. Mm-hmm. Jolie and Juhani and you have to kill Jolie and Juhani like straight up it, it makes it to where like you just can't like you can't kind of like edge up to it and then you know like you know like you could do in mass effect or you could just kind of be you know like in between the renegade system the whole time and you you know you could at the end you could do whatever and with this you can't really do that like if it forces you to make a choice and you have to live with that one way or the other and i mean to be honest i think that like i've said this before but i think like one of the things about KOTOR that makes it work is that they forced Bioware to like, because it was Star Wars, because it had to have a specific like type of it It had to have a good ending. And, you know, then they were like, okay, we're going to have a bad ending. We're going to have these different things, but it being Star Wars, it it forced them to, to do it instead of being able to just like kind of gray your way all the way through like you can do in mass effect and then in mass effect three you obviously get the like branching three choice decision with a child and everything because casey hudson couldn't make a decision about what he was actually going right. to do with that and then that fucked up andromeda too you know it's just like star wars just forced him to make a decision because of the nature of it and it was really helpful one of the reasons it stands out as a bioware title is because of you know because they did that no absolutely
0: the com- there, there, there are moments where moral complexity does come in i do think about uh, manan the the planet of neutrality they believe that they cannot pick a side at any war and this is supposed to be functionally the no fighting zone in trey they just like we, we we deal we make the same rules for everybody whether you're with the fascists or with the people fighting the fascists all money's good just don't fucking bring it to our yard Switzerland, yeah. The Switzerland, the the neutrality aliens in Futurama, whatever you want to use as your frame of reference for that. I have no strong feelings one way or another (laughs) kind of
1: thing. Tell my wife I said hello. Exactly. Should we trust him, your neutralness? All I know is my gut says maybe.
0: And then on that planet, you are involved with uh, Sunri, I think is his name. The person Mm -hmm. who does commit a a murder on a Sith on the grounds of the planet objectively what he does is against the laws outlined by the planet your morality has to come in and how you want to play that case do you hold the republic person accountable for the actions committed against the person fighting for the sith because it is objectively a murder but it is also kind of like i'm also fighting for the republic do i make this man guilty and fuck up the relationship the republic has with this planet do do I just let this one go in service of mm-hmm. the greater fight against the Sith? The, mm-hmm. That's what you have to reckon with. And that is like a true moral decision because you are working within the parameters of a fucked up system where somebody is being neutral in the face of all out war, functionally mm-hmm. taking the side of the oppressor, uh, which is in this case, the murder victim. So it, it, it brings complexity to mm-hmm. an interesting case. Do you decide, do I, am I going to play by the rules outlined in a fucked up system or am I going to play this for myself? I love that. That 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 mm. is like what I want out of a morality game, that kind of Fallout New Vegas, kind of like, ooh, okay, God, this is an actual hard decision. That 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 was just one that stood out to me on this replay, one that I never really appreciated when I played it as a teenager.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you also have to uh, deal with the fact that uh, Sunri was like sleeping with this woman and she was a Sith agent. Mm-hmm. And then like, there's a lot of other uh you know there's a lot of other complexity to it in the end like you're just like this guy like you could like tell like Sunri's just weighing over his head like he yeah. was just like this like woman who's like 20 years younger than him was like oh you're so great and he's like oh i'm you know i'm in love and then his wife's like yeah i knew she i knew he was fucking around like what it, it like yeah the trial of Sunri is like jolie's uh loyalty quest mm-hmm. and even if you get him off jolie's like man that's really fucked up. I don't know that we did the right thing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's your man. It's your friend, man. Like what, what are you talking to me for? Yeah. Look, Pip, I know it's our job to help this guy and everything, but I think this guy's a lost cause.
0: I don't know. I'm just like that. That mission is continues to stick with me. And, mm-hmm. and the rest of the like the underwater section sucks so much, but the, the stuff on the surface is just so interesting.
1: Well, I mean, underwater you can also uh, stab a locker with a lightsaber and just (laughs) to kill a guy in there. You know, it's just another like thing. I I I think I've I think I've fully done. I mean, I've probably played the game through like ten or so times. I think I've done a dark side playthrough twice maybe. Yeah. I'm really bad at making like mean decisions in video <laughs> games.
0: I can do bad decisions if they're funny but there's such a sense of mm-hmm. tragedy to so many of the bad decisions that you make that I cannot commit to an overall evil playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, in Mass Effect, those games, a lot of the 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 renegade decisions are just you being a badass mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. then there are other ones are just, oh, let me do a fucked up war crime real quick.
1: It's either like punch a journalist or wipe out all of the rachni, you know? Yeah. Or or like just use a dirty
0: tactic in a fight that you're going to have to do anyway. Mm -hmm. Like just, just silly things. And it's like, I don't know what's going to happen if I press the bad guy button here. So I'm just going to be safe and not, but yeah. In KOTOR, (laughs) it's like, you genuinely feel like an asshole for making uh, a bad decision. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it comes up in terms of what I think this game does, uh, that I think more video games should do. Uh, obviously I do think more video games should have Limp Bizkit references (laughs)
1: What can I say? I did it all for the Wookiees. The Wookiees.
0: Otherwise, I love the way that it uses the medium of video games to tell a story that is best told through interaction. We've talked about this before uh, with Revan as a character and just the way this game weaves in storytelling in general, but I'm going to emphasize this point again. The Revan twist, the reveal that your player character was this mystical Darth Revan, the most evil man in the universe the entire time, and you just have amnesia because the Jedi Council wiped your mind to serve their own ends, that, that twist is not suited for any better place than a medium of video games where you develop your character mm-hmm. and all of your actions are determined by you, the choices that you make, whether good or evil, within this morality system. You find this information out two-thirds-ish of the way into the game mm-hmm. and... It it, it recontextualizes your relationship with the Jedi. It recontextualizes your relationship with Bastula. It recontextualizes all of the decisions that you made up into that point and how much agency you really had over them. And it works authentically. It cuts deeply for the player because you experienced all that through someone that you ostensibly created or that you thought you had created. Mm -hmm. You made every choice up into that point, hopefully unburdened by the external knowledge of what this game's story is about, it is up to you as the player to define who this character is. Who Revan used to be is firmly established in the lore of this game through interactions that you have with individual characters, but it is up to you as a player to define who Revan can become.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when people say they want a KOTOR adaptation outside of the medium of video games, my immediate response is always, why? Why? The story works best as a video game story because it is written with that specific medium in mind. I mean, it is not just a good story told through the medium of video games. It is an interactive narrative built specifically for a video game. Mm -hmm. And that reveal, that specific reveal that you have been Darth Revan, that would not work nearly as well if you were just watching a story.
1: No, I completely agree. (laughs) But, you know, unfortunately, I think uh, whenever that, whenever that adaptation does happen or something approximate to it. You know, they're going to be like, should we do the reveal? Should we do the reveal? And they're going to talk and talk and talk. And then somebody's just going to walk up on a whiteboard and write Red Wedding and then circle it a bunch of times and be like, no, we're doing the fucking reveal because Game of Thrones did the Red Wedding, even though that had been like a completely established thing for a long time that people knew about. And it was a huge shock. And it was all mm-hmm. anyone ever talked about like the same thing with Ned's execution in season one, like that, like when that happened like that, like there are just reaction videos of like people like flipping the fuck out about like, just, you know, insane. And I mean, you're right. Key everything you said was right, but, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. and they're just going to circle it, keep circling it on the whiteboard and keep putting arrows to it until they finally talk themselves into it. Like, I mean, like, yeah. I would love to be wrong about that, but I don't think. I mean, like, if they ever actually get around to this, I, who fucking knows? I agree. I, if they do something with Knights of the Old Republic, I wish it wouldn't be an adaptation, but like, I don't know. Just yeah, seems man. like a foregone conclusion to me <laughs> at this
0: point. I, I I don't object to the idea of it happening in the sense that, like, oh, we already know the twist going in sort of thing. I guess my my apprehension is just like. Nothing they do is going to be as effective as, oh shit, I'm the fucking war criminal. Correct. Like <laughs> you're absolutely
1: yeah. right. Yeah. No, you're, yeah, you're absolutely correct. And and Kotor 2, like we're not getting into it here, but like Kotor 2 does even more with this because it takes Revan from being like, Yeah, he was the bad guy, to being like, Oh, he was bad, bad. Like he set up the entire Republic fleet to get fucked along with the Mandalorians in the final battle of the Mandalorian Wars, like because mm-hmm. they were his enemies. And like, he did that to all of his people. Then they turned to the dark side and then they took and it. You know, it's just like you take it from like this guy and he was like, oh, he was a Sith Lord, but he only did it because he was trying to protect the galaxy in the first place. It's not really presented like that in KOTOR one, but at the same time, it kind of is like, you know,
0: yeah, you're just an uncomplicated evil. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then in KOTOR two, it's like, no, 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 you're nixon and kissinger rolled into one like you you planned it mm-hmm. you did all the bad stuff you hit the button you're the bad guy like the bad bad guy i completely agree i don't i don't think it would it would hold as much weight but at the same time i don't i don't think they're going to care <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. They they don't care. They don't respect video games as a medium. It's not that. it's just about like you guys fucking love Kotor. Here's a Kotor movie. There mm-hmm. you go. Now it's expanded to a wide audience. What was the what do you mean there was a live action cowboy bob series and it was cancelled? What are you fucking talking about? You're telling me there's less valuable mediums out there or less valuable ways of telling a story? What the fuck? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um we talked about like the glorious things this game has done. Uh, obviously we got to take it down to size a little bit. Nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. Even the games that we love deeply, they all have issues on some level. KOTOR has a lot of them. So what are things that you wish KOTOR did better as a video game?
1: The combat is terrible. Just fucking awful. Like, even if I liked turn-based, the combat is not great. It's very clunky. The D20 system that they're using is like impressively complicated. Like, like all of the throws and saving throws and everything that it's like doing for you at the same time. Like they left all of that math in there for you to do in just this video game mm-hmm. pause screen. And so you're like, okay, so 10, 18. And if I roll a 20, then I, you know, and it's just like, it's complicated mm-hmm. and it's clunky to a fall. If you get the force storm ability, which is just force lightning. You can just like spin the rest of the game, like holding your hand up and you just lightning everyone in the group around you and you're good. And there's no real um, delineation in the combat. The combat is insanely repetitive. Oh yeah. Like a game like Elden Ring or breath of the wild or something where, you know, you're like, you have to do the same stuff. You have to keep fighting, but there are different ways to do it. There are different ways to go about it in KOTOR. It's like, no, you're going to run in, do the same stuff and now to be very clear it's going to be cool because you're going to have lightsabers Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a guy in the background who's like shooting a blaster and so it sounds like star wars blaster so like you're going to be like okay like yeah this is repetitive and clunky but it sounds really fucking cool because it does like they nail the fucking sound of the whole thing and yeah yeah the quality of life like gameplay mechanics in it Holy shit, like, it's so weird that, like, one of the biggest improvements I think about between 1 and 2 is the fact that, like, in 2, if you search a crate and you clear it out, it tells you that when you, like, go back to look at the crate. Like, it says, like, empty in parentheses. KOTOR doesn't do that. And, like, going back to KOTOR 1, you're just like, oh, my God, have I checked this crate again? All the crates look the same. It's, It's little things, but at the same time, it's just like, man, come on. Come on, guys! Just it's really showing its age now, unfortunately. And I and like I really wish that they would do a remake, only because I want to play like an updated version of this, so I can like relive that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the game is the game is showing the wear and tear. And you're you're there for the story, and the interactions. You know, no one's going to KotOR for um, the gameplay and fast paced action set pieces.
0: No, yeah. The the combat is absolutely repetitive, but also at the point where, oh, you can't just spam one button your way to victory a lot of the time. You actually do have to like pause and go, okay, God, all right, so this is a robot, so if I stun it with the the force, Mm -hmm. electricity, that'll do that, and then that'll free these characters up to do that. You actually have to think about them. I think about the ambush that happens on Kashyyyk with the bounty hunter and how that could be such a bullshit fight, even if you are Mm -hmm. a high enough level to deal with it. It's impressive that it can still be difficult up to a certain point, but it's not the best combat in the world. And mm-hmm. I, I, I've grown accustomed to it. I am okay with it uh, because I've replayed the game and maybe it's you know Stockholm Syndrome. But I cannot, in good consciousness, like go to another person and be like, this is the best game of all time because the combat's so good. It's like, no. You, when I tell people about this game, I'm like listen, there's there's a few things you need to know going in. I can't do mm-hmm. anything about it. No one can do anything about it, but trust me, it'll be worth it. It'll yeah. be worth it is a, a big thing when you talk to people about this game. Yeah. Just some general other issues. Terrace is at least twice as long as it needs to be.
1: People complain about the tutorial level in 2, but Terrace is way worse. It takes so long. It's like a, it's like a 7 or 8 hour level. In, mm-hmm. Oh god, it's so long. Like, and it's like arbitrarily long too like it just like you can tell like they were trying to pad out some stuff here and it's just like we did not need seven separate zones for this one thing like this is bigger than any other map in the game what the hell are you doing?
0: exactly every single like mechanic like short of actually doing force abilities and being a jedi a pop-up at some point in a tutorial level which is a testament to how deep the game is but also like You're probably at a point where none of this is going to matter because you know if you're replaying the game that you're going to become a jedi and have access to way more powers and if you level up too much too early you are actually weakening yourself long term (laughs) in replays knowing you're going to become a jedi later you you try not to level up which makes those sections even harder and even longer and it's that it's that opportunity cost of do i want to get through this efficiently Or do I want to min-max this motherfucker? Uh, So it's twice as long as it needs to be. I talked about how I modded this game to uh, actually play in an HD widescreen setting so it looked better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing I saw was uh, expanded content mod that like puts in the content that was cut (laughs) from the game. And it's not the same way that cut content works in Kotor 2 where it actually completes the experience it is content that was cut because it was meant to be cut because this game actually had a yeah. reasonable development cycle. And the funniest part was almost all of the cut content was shit that was cut from Terrace. So I spent an mm-hmm. extra hour on Terrace at least every single cut in the game that you run into mm-hmm. from that point forward. It's like, I see why that was cut. I see why yeah. that was cut. Now, uh, the, the having more than a handful of, of alien voice lines throughout the game would have been nice too, yeah. but that's just a scale yeah. thing. And, I can't really change that, but if I have to hear Mucha Shaka yeah. Banka one more time, I'm going to lose it.
1: <laughs> Ichuta, I just I love I love like the guy like the Twi'lek in the background always in Tatooine. You walk into somewhere and there's a Twi'lek going Ichuta every time, every time. And you're just like, yep, hey man, how's it going, Ichuta? How's it going? Yeah, and yeah, just Mucha Shaka Banka so many fucking mm-hmm. times in the game, mm-hmm. or all of
0: the the I can't remember the name of the Greedo aliens, but.
1: Yeah. Rodians.
0: The Rodians. Yeah. They all mm-hmm. had the same voice actor for every single mm-hmm. line. It Limited production, I understand. But I heard that the script of the game, like a tenth of it was written in Huttese. And then the other yeah. nine, 90% was written in English or basic. And I mm-hmm. wish that the uh, that was reflected in the voice acting in some way. That would be really impressive yeah. now. But back then it is to the detriment of the game that so much of it is in limited language that they could not afford to pay voice actors a proper amount of money to read in another language so yeah that's that's just like me lamenting more than it is like a horrible horrible indictment on the game Mm -hmm. yeah i'd say terrorists the combat and the limited voice capability of non-english speakers in the game is are the the, the things that centrally hurt the game i do have to ask how do you feel about darth malik as a character
1: terrible fucking terrible character yeah awful like, The fact that this game is so good and is in spite of it, he's like dollar store Vader. Um, there was a book that came out, I think, in 2019, um, written by a guy named Alex Kane, uh, which was a making of Star Wars, uh, of the night Star Wars Nights of the Republic. And they're like, there's like a quote in there from the art director, and they're talking about Malik. They were like, Oh, he got his jaw cut off, and the art, I can't remember the. Uh, one of the art guys and he goes Jesus Christ James is James Olin he goes Jesus Christ James this is the dumbest fucking character I've ever seen in my life like why don't I just put a scarf over the bottom of his mouth like if you wanted that like it, like just a dog shit character Darth Band and dog shit but it doesn't matter because like Malik isn't there to be like a depth full character he is there to be a cackling mustache twirling menace who's for some reason wearing skin tight armor, you know, yeah. like he's no he's, he's a terrible character, but at the same time like he got the he got his, the bottom of his jaw cut off, like just the most like Star Wars shit so they could like turn him into a Darth Vader, give him the like metal vocalization or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's just... he's fundamentally boring Starscream. The interesting character is off the table because you're Revan. Revan is the yeah. guy that actually does everything that everybody's scared of and Malak is like his like and I'm also here kind of thing. And then he happens to get the upper hand in the situation, takes advantage of that fact, and then knocks Revan off the table. Malik is not a character. He is merely a consequence of your actions prior to the start of the game. He is more of a phantom than a character. He is representational. He's not a good character necessarily. And there's space for that. Mm -hmm. There's space for that in those stories. I just do wish there was literally anything for me to hold on to because in addition to all that his design is i'm sorry to say to the art directors who otherwise nailed this game fucking dog shit and i don't like it very much yeah and i think fundamentally my problem with it is like he has to bring bastula to the dark side to add an emotional stake to the final act because that's where the, the central relationship is between Revan and Bastula. Mm-hmm. And that part I do like, but he's, he's just the force that brings it in. I do wish that his character looked like fucking anything else. So there could be some sort of like erotic slant to that. Maybe, maybe if he just made nope Malik 10% hornier or 10% design better, 90% of my complaints about him would instantly go away.
1: There was a series of comics that are set like, four or five years before the game. Um, and they follow a character named Zane Carrick. And anyway, they cross paths with the young, uh, Malick, uh, when, when he's still a Jedi and he tries to pull some moves on this woman and his pickup line is that like, well, you know, uh, when Jedi have kids, they're force sensitive. So, you know, like we should fuck to, uh, to to give us more force sensitives in the universe or something like that. We're going so. to end this episode here. Bye, Luke. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Continue. Don't don't blame me. I didn't. I didn't write the. Uh, I, know you I, didn't. Didn't write I know you didn't write Malik. I know you didn't write Malick. You 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 know you wanted slightly hornier malik, So there you go. Got a fuck to uh, save the Jedi population or whatever.
0: All right. Look, I want well written horny. I don't want just. <laughs> I don't want regular Star Wars horny. I don't want. Dinner wow. scenes of Attack of the Clones. I want the good horny, like Empire Strikes Back Horny or in your Last Jedi yeah. horny. I know you have it in your code horror. That's you do the romance stuff with Bastila so fucking well in those games. I think you could mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, fuck fuck Malik. Fuck Malik. All my homies <laughs> hate Malik. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Steve Bloom, great, great voice actor. Love him and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. It his, I'm sure his back hurt after carrying the character of Malik on his back like that. Yeah. You've, you've talked about how KOTOR 2 is the game that you ultimately prefer overall, and you obviously have your convictions about the uh, Old Republic MMO. What about KOTOR 2 is better for you, and where do you think that the Old Republic MMO dropped the ball?
1: KOTOR 2 is better because the story is better. It's like KOTOR is very fun the game is overall fun. Like the story is fun. There's like a lot of like different cool stuff going on. KOTOR 2 is not like that at all. KOTOR 2 is like, you're here for the funeral. The Jedi have been wiped out. There are like five left in the entire galaxy. The, the the lowest number that have ever existed in in canon or legends. The entire story is just like this, like somber thing, and it's like a it's it's like a it's like a discourse on like what it means to use the Force and and like how regular people in the galaxy can't often often cannot tell the difference between like a good guy a good guy with a lightsaber and a bad guy with a lightsaber. Like it sounds silly to say, but like it, that's what it is, and you get this whole thing of revan's compounding sins and the main character the jedi exile uh your character who served under revan in the mandalorian wars and is coming to terms with the fact that like they are also like a war criminal like in kotor 2 there is a character called balder and he is like a military engineer who built a super weapon that destroyed a planet and killed like millions of people and like he lives with this and like he it just like dogs him like all of his stuff is like i i think about it all the time general i like i'm a war criminal i like he, he calls himself this over and over and over again and it's something like um it's one of it's one of the things to really like drill into like this is more of like the adult side of what we're gonna do we're not doing the thing where the jedi are going to come out of this and be like and and be redeemed and be the good guys like the jedi are going to come out of this because it's a star wars story and they have to come out of this they're never getting rid of the jedi but like We are going to take that, we are going to strip them down to the pegs and like every denouncement we can make of the Jedi. They're war criminals. Yes. They abuse their power. Yes. They don't do enough to help the population of the galaxy. Yes. They essentially, in many ways, make themselves almost as bad as the Sith. Absolutely. They're like leaders or ivory tower fucking hypocrites. All of it is just like. bam 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 bam, like everything the prequels were trying to do as well and it does it and it's just so well done and there's this character named Crea and like she is so she's like a fucking libertarian like just like straight up Ayn Rand libertarian (laughs) bullshit like don't give a beggar change like there's a whole thing like she gets mad when you give a beggar change because you're not letting them pull themselves up by their own bootstraps like just straight up dog shit libertarian ideology but then you, you realize there's more to it there's more to it there's more to it and by the end you're like okay yeah she She's a bad guy, obviously, but you love or you like her, you respect her because like she acts like your mom in this game. And there's like this thing that comes in at the end where she comes in and saves you like the big set piece where instead of being like the, the reveal in KOTOR with Revan being you, the big set piece here is that mom comes in and kills the Jedi who are like attacking you for trying to be a good Jedi and save the galaxy again. And they think you're part of the Sith. And so mom has to come in and be like, no, you're my daughter is cool. My son is cool. I'm going to kill you. It takes it this thing where like she kills Jedi and you're like, yes, clapping. Yes. Like that, that's never happened. Like, it's never been played like that in star Wars, even like the prequels where it's like, yeah, the Jedi suck. There were criminals. They fuck everything up. It's still bad when all this happens. Cause there's like fucking child murder and all of this shit. But then when you see this, it's like, nothing nothing has ever deconstructed star wars as well as that and nothing they ever release ever will deconstruct star wars as well as that again because when they did like the diet coke version of this in the last jedi which replicates the exact same structure of like the jedi suck They suck, they suck, they suck. We're going to go through all of the same arguments about why they suck. And then they get yelled at about it because everybody gets mad. And it's like, we've already done this with KOTOR 2. And this is a game that you all loved. You just don't like it now for whatever reason, because it's like Luke is saying this stuff. And it's like KOTOR 2 and The Last Jedi both end up reifying the Jedi anyway in the end. Because again, it's Star Wars. It's always going to do that. But it just, it deconstructs it in such a way that like you that it makes you love it. And I mean, like it does this, like I say, this, you have to love the story because the game is like was shipped in like this incredibly broken fashion because of the like truncated timeline it got and everything. And so like when you get that and you get the restored content mod and you get all that stuff back and you're like, okay, yes, like I see what they were like, I see everything and I see all of it. And there's just like, it's a nice catharsis about all of star Wars to be able to do that. And with the MMO, it's just like, I remember I was furious when they canceled KOTOR 3. Like, I was so fucking mad about that. The MMO was never going to be what this was. It was never going to have the same kind of storytelling. Whenever they went to that MMO structure, it was going to mean that the stories were going to get attenuated. Instead of being able to be this, like, tight thing where you could kind of build everything around it, you now get, like eight different classes to choose from and all this different stuff. And that's great for people who love MMOs, but like, that's not KOTOR. That's not KOTOR two. And, you know, I wanted this thing for KOTOR three, not a fan of the old Republic MMO, but you know, I know a lot of people are a lot of people like it. I just, God, man, I was so upset about that when they canceled that game.
0: I appreciate your thorough explanation of everything. Um, I haven't finished KOTOR two yet. That's like one of my great shames. I'm working through it. I'm trying to, and you're more than welcome back to explain this in greater detail in a future episode. But um no, that that's that's very rich and that's very significant. So thank you for going through all that. With that being said, is there anything that you think KOTOR does better than KOTOR 2 at the end of the day? Besides like the fact that you said that the game ship broken because Obsidian had to do a truncated schedule for mm-hmm. it and they were put at a disadvantageous position. A not dissimilar one that they were put in with uh, Fallout New Vegas, as I talked about Mm -hmm. in that episode. Besides the fact that the game was truncated, looking at the games as their complete versions, is there anything you think KOTOR does better?
1: Oh yeah, the uh, companions, way better companions. I think it does some of the planets better part of that is because KOTOR does a lot of retread planets. You go back to Dantooine, you've got Manon in there and you've got, um, you know, you get to go, you get to go to Korriban and everything like that. And you see Korriban and there's stuff on it and people there. And that's not something you see that in KOTOR and that's not something you really see otherwise in Star Wars. And so it's like, um, it has better quests for the most part as well. Um, the mission structure and everything like that is more set up. I think part of that is because of the truncated timeline and everything, but at the same time, you know, it, it is what it is in terms of uh of being better. Um, the thing about Kotor is is like even in spite of all this, even like it still holds that special, like almost pride of place above Kotor 2, even though Kotor 2 is a story that's much closer to my my heart. Kotor was the one that did it first. And like that is special. And there's all, there's something in there that like pulls people there that pulls Star Wars fans and video game fans and people who just want to see this stuff and it, and it pulls them in and you're just like, yes, it's a goofy story. It's a Star Wars story. It's not nearly as serious as KOTOR two, but sometimes that's good. Sometimes you just need like the goofy story and you, and like you need the, like, yeah, the galaxy's got hope. And you know, like, I mean, yeah, the story's played out in Star Wars, but at the same time, I mean, it's the same story they've been selling for 40-something years. Why would they stop now?
0: Sure. I mean, I definitely appreciate that. There is no world where we got the KOTOR 2 type game first. You have to have the setup in order to have the the, the delivery. That's why I want to play KOTOR 2 so much, because I have this conception of KOTOR 1 and this deep, thoughtful game. And then everybody's like, well, KOTOR 2 really takes it to another level in terms mm-hmm. of reckoning with all this shit. It is, that ver- it is the empire mm-hmm. to KOTOR's A New Hope it is all that. And it's like, okay, fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, I, I really need to do that. And that, <laughs> I, Now that I figured out how modding works on a, on a gaming PC, I don't really have an excuse anymore. If I can put in the restored content for KOTOR, yeah. which did not need it at all. I, I can absolutely do it for the, the game that necessitates that. Speaking to your thing about this game being coveted among gamer and star Wars fan and gaming star Wars fans mm-hmm. as three different
1: units of people.
0: Do you think this game has anything to offer for people who aren't fans of Star Wars, otherwise?
1: I think it um, is an interesting game to look at. I do like if you like Bioware and RPGs. It is one of the best entries in like the standard template RPG series that Bioware did. You know, basically from this game until after Mass Effect Three. I don't know that it offers that much to non-star wars fans but i know that it you know if you like are even casually interested in the universe like and you like these types of games it is like a good time within you know within this universe i don't know that it offers a lot to people who don't but at the same time like if you're just someone who really loves like 2000s rpgs yeah hell yeah it's clunky but there are people who still go back and play fucking fallout one and two and those things are just Yeah, or Morrowind, which has a similar like. Oh God.
0: Yeah, D twenty system for. Yeah, I don't.
1: Yeah, I try to play Morrowind. Like, I try to go back and play it. I guess it was like four or five years ago, and I was like, nah, I'm good. Glad it was fun when I played it the first time." But no, I'm good.
0: Yeah, my recommendation for anybody trying to approach this game on a on a PC is to look for play. As much of the game as you can tolerate, if there's something that is just like absolutely bugging the fuck out of you, see if there's a mod for it, because there likely mm. is, because you are not the first person to have a complaint about something in KOTOR. I'm I'm positive about it. And that's not to disrespect the developers who made this game in the time and really made a big swing in terms of the gameplay and everything like that. The core of what they made for is still fantastic. It's just that vessel isn't for everybody. But yeah, I do think that this game does have a lot to offer for people who aren't fans of Star Wars or just aren't as familiar with it. There's mm-hmm. no there's no homework you have to do to get into it, which yeah. is rare for a lot of IP these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps that it's thousands of years removed from the narrative. There's no familiar characters like we talked about. No iconography that it's burdened by. The tropes are certainly there. There's the Star Forge, which is functionally the Death Star, but none of the ships look like anything that are in the originals. Like the Ebon Hawk is an approximation of the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. You're not burdened by characters, you're not burdened by lore, it's its own thing. And I think the game also does a very good job of introducing you to the concepts of the Force and the dark side and the ideologies of the Jedi and the Sith. Through your character, you go to the Sith planet of Korriban, which I think this game introduced or at least presented in a mainstream setting. Yeah. Like, I think it actually engages with the Sith as a race of people, an ancient race of people, and not just principles of a dark side of the Force- I can't really think of ways that it expects you to bring any outside knowledge. You go through the trials of the Jedi. You actually have to understand the fundamentals of a Jedi and you're quizzed on it in order to progress through a point in the game. So like, I think it does a better job explaining what a Jedi is than the prequels do. So (laughs) it does have that going for it.
1: Honestly, how dare you? Really? (laughs) There's even a little Yoda there. Yeah, there is a, a Yoda who talks normally. Yeah,
0: like Yaddle, apparently, who just talks like Bryce Dallas Howard. Hate it, hate, hate mm-hmm. it. Yeah,
1: it. little green freaks. They need to talk normal. They need to talk like little green freaks. Except the one in KOTOR I just don't care about. Like, yeah, he talks normal. Whatever.
0: We don't even have a name for this species. We there's no rules for it. I like the idea that Yoda's just fucking with people the way that he was fucking with people, uh, like <laughs> Luke on Dagobah. Like he was just playing a long game uh, on the mm-hmm. council for hundreds
1: of years before that. Yeah, this is a long con.
0: Like we're gonna hear a uh, fucking uh, Grogu's first words in The Mandalorian, and he's just voiced by Chris Pratt, and just going, "Hey, man, come on, it's me, uh, Grogu." I'm
1: good, thanks. Let's. <laughs> I need I need Grogu to talk weird. Like I I need him to. Like I can't I can't have that guy just being like, "Hey, what's up?" Like no, no.
0: This this game doesn't gatekeep uh, outsiders whatsoever. Besides Mm-mm. it being an old ancient game. It'll onboard you into the world very well. It is a great sci-fi game on its own, and it isn't beholden to the decades of established lore. And I think being able to play in a familiar space without having to do all that stuff is what gave Bioware the confidence to go for uh, Mass Effect at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. So good for it. how do you think this game has informed and influenced your taste in things in the years since you've played it like has it changed the way that you look what you look for in a video game what you look for in media in general
1: it it really informs what i'm looking for in star wars i mean like they like maybe one day they will actually like step out really step outside the skywalker era and do like a movie but you know like i i i want I want them to do a movie set in this time period. I want to see like the bunch of Jedi fighting, a bunch of Sith. I want to see that. And like, I have like ideas for how it should look in my mind. And I just want them to like, and I just want them to do it. And it's, it's very frustrating. So like, yes. And in a way it does, because I want them to, I I want them to, to do this. I just like, they're like, no, we don't want to make movies. We, you know, and I'm just whatever. So like, yeah, it does it does it for me because I want something that looks like this to be done, either like remade or adapted or something, a similar type story told in a movie. Yeah.
0: Do you think that the High Republic, whatever that experiment was, uh, do you think that was uh, them trying to wade into the waters of non Skywalker material and see what that would look like long term for them? Or do you think that that's just them doing something just something off the wall
1: yeah i think i think they i think they're like dipping their toes into it they're trying to they're trying to like find something like to find a way outside of the skywalker era like and you know for like a franchise that's you know especially now run like run by like a corporate board and all that like it's very hard for them to do so like you get the you get the high republic stuff and they're going to do this acolyte series which um I have high hopes for. I don't I don't know that it will turn out as well as Andor or anything, but I'm hoping it's I hope it's going to be pretty good. Um and that'll be the first time they've ever done live action outside of the Skywalker era. And I I really think that they're probably looking at that to like see how it does even though to me it doesn't make the fact that people wouldn't go f- may not go for this doesn't mean that they wouldn't go for something else, you know, but right. like at the, you know, the thing about the High Republic is it's very popular. Like Star Wars fans, like a lot of Star Wars fans love it. The books are selling really well and all this sort of stuff, so like they're going to keep doing High Republic stuff. It's still ongoing. It's just like are they actually going to use this to springboard into other eras, which is kind of what I originally thought or is this just going to be some like is this just something that they were doing cuz they needed like a placeholder and they didn't know what to do after episode 9 and they are scared about going to other eras for whatever reason. Like you know, if it's got lightsabers in the forest and you know blaster sounds, you're gonna be fine. Like,
0: yeah, I mean they've they've zigged and zagged so many times uh, just over the past five years with every decision that they've made. Whether that is, oh no, they didn't like Solo very much. Better pivot to TV for all these ex- 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 yeah. extra stories we have for Obi Wan or Boba Fett. Or oh no, people uh, reacted strongly to. The Last Jedi better lean heavily back onto the 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 fan service kind of stuff, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I I, I don't know what the future is going to look like. I haven't seen the YouTube videos in the sk- <laughs> on the conspiracy side of conspiracy side of Star Wars where Bob Iger is going to magically fix everything and Star Wars is going to be good again automatically. And Star Wars is good again. It's called mm-hmm. Andor. Watch it. It's great. Uh, but I'm not looking forward to the billions of other streaming TV shows around that necessarily.
1: Star Wars is always good because the stories are always there. Like the problem yeah. for people being like Star Wars sucks is that A New Hope and Empire both exist. Like Yeah. Sorry. For everything else that's ever happened in the series, like it's very hard for people to be like, yeah, those two movies suck. Like, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like like there's always stuff and there's like this huge expanded universe that you can just find stuff that you like. That's the thing. People are like, "Oh, they got rid of the old canon." It's like it's still there. You can still go play with it. like, uh, you know, me and kelsey did a whole fucking podcast about like one of the eras of it like it's still there you still got you still have fun you can still play around in that it's just you know
0: if it's interesting to you it's interesting to you like what Mm -hmm. is canon what does that mean that the corporation doesn't regard it with the same amount of reverence as you that doesn't mean anything if a story is interesting it should stand on its own merit not because of it connecting to a a greater purpose that's not how we should be consuming media it should be Mm -hmm. i like this story or concept and this story enabled that concept to exist. I'm just glad that Starkiller's no longer canon. Suck it, guys. Fuck you. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: No, no, that doesn't matter that much to me. If you want a super-powered clone baby man that can move Star Destroyers with his hands, that's, that's, that's your prerogative. I won't take that away from you. He's just not real, though. But he was never real.
1: What, am I supposed to walk out and take on the entire First Order by myself? Like, yeah. Luke, yeah, there's a whole video game about it. Haven't you seen it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> thank you for this enriching discussion, not just about KOTOR, but about uh, Knights of the Old Republic as a franchise, and also Star Wars as a greater franchise beyond that, mm-hmm. and the broader implications of its IP and how it exists. I want to give you the space to recommend things based off of your love of Knights of the Old Republic or just something that you mm-hmm. love in general. So for people who whose taste may align with yours, what would you recommend to them?
1: So one of the best things that has been done in the style of this is Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 2 is a fucking tremendous game. Like KOTOR 2, you know, KOTOR 2 can also do that even though it scratches a lot of a different itch. You know, a lot of your, like, general RPGs, they're pulling a lot of stuff. Any RPG made since 2003 is pulling some stuff from KOTOR. And, the like, the Bioware stuff, like, all of the games after this are, you know... Jade Empire is, is just a different version of, of Knights of the Old Republic, and so are you know parts of Mass Effect to that to that extent. So like yeah, like I think stuff like that, like the problem for me with like suggesting stuff with Kotor is that like I fucking hate turn based games. Like I like I despise them. So like I had to make all these exceptions like for myself to play through these games and like they make it enough it's not exactly turn-based so like I can handle it but at the same time I'm just like if someone's like oh well, what do you think about Baldur's Gate 2 or whatever I'm like yep that's a game not my favorite but you know knock yourself out mm-hmm.
0: do you have any recommendations beyond like the realm of video games because there have been people who've recommended books songs television anything that would kind of scratch the kind of itch of what
1: yeah uh the tales of the jedi comics from the mid-90s are uh great goofy star wars fun for all ages um the kotor comics are very good I-, I like it like when the kotor like when the expanded universe stuff gets a little like uh goofy and understands that it like it not to take itself as, as seriously all the time um Honestly, the Darth Bane, like a lot of the stuff, the Darth Bane trilogy, like is kind of there, and like you know, you mentioned it with Drew Carpition at the beginning. Like, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of that, a lot of that stuff, you know, is is there, and you can you can find it in that. It's, you know, the old legend stories are nice because you know there's sometimes just like batshit crazy, like nonsense in there. You don't get as much of that anymore with Star Wars with the new canon, and in some ways it's good, in some ways it's bad, and it's like. So when you find this stuff and you, you know, you find like, you know, Carpician is just doing this like off the wall shit. Oh, I will say this. There are cinematics for uh, the Old Republic. They're not very long, like five or six minutes long each. I think total, there are six of them. I think total, they're like 32 minutes long. Anyway, you can go find them online on YouTube. And like, if you just want like rule of cool, like, Goofy Star Wars schlock, like you're high and you just want to watch like some lightsabers going off and some shit like that. They are great. Like, just don't be like, oh, well, you know, that's not really in. Like, eh, it's not like that. It's there to be cool. Satil Sean literally catches a lightsaber blade in her palm at one point. Like, let the rule of cool wash over you and don't be a Star Wars pedant for once.
0: Yeah, I mean. I like the anime stuff that they did, uh, Star Wars Visions. I have two action figures of the twins from the Studio Trigger episode on my shelf. over there. Nice. I love the goofy shit. I love the schlock if it's presented in an interesting way. And Mm -hmm. I remember those cinematics from when the game was coming out. And that was my context for the Old Republic for
1: years. Yeah, those. Yeah, those are fun. Like, that's the thing. Like, like, if you like Star Wars, if you like that universe, like there is something in there for you. I got, I got some time on my hands. I just, okay, here's, here's a book, you know, comics, video game. Like you just, you find that stuff. And, you know, again, I think that's, you know, kind of the promise of star Wars. You know, the, the good thing about it is that there is something for everyone in there. And I think that's, you know, exactly what this is. Like there's something for everyone. And in this case, you have this like weird old Republic outlier thing that they haven't really readdressed. Right.
0: As for my recommendations, uh, I do have a few of my own. Andor, really fucking good. Check that show out. Oh yeah, yeah. Please check that out, especially if you want to see an idea of what mature Star Wars can be. That is relatively unburdened by the Skywalker saga. Obviously, this takes place between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, but it's a lot more about bureaucracy in that area and just telling the story about the the, the victims of the Empire and not just giving a story about the heroes fighting the Empire. If you if you love Star Wars and you want more from it than what the, the movies offer you, that'd be my first recommendation. Even before the finale, I can confidently call this in within my Star Wars top five. It's not number one, mm-hmm. but it is extremely confident and competent storytelling in a year of Star Wars that has really shaken me uh, because of how weak Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett were. So check that <laughs> out. Obviously, Luke's made the salient point of recommending Mass Effect 2. In terms of video games that aren't necessarily Star Wars, I would recommend The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. The first game of uh, the Witcher series, much like Kotor, not very playable, but I would argue it's even worse than KOTOR is because there's not a lot for you know newcomers to grab onto. And I feel like that game is a lot more alienating. The second game kinda, you know, fixes things up a little bit and puts you more towards the mainstream idea of how video games are played. Frankly, you do not need to know too, too much about those first two Witcher games to just jump right into Witcher 3. Some context for what The Witcher is may help, so if you do need some, I'd recommend the books, personally, over the TV series. The TV series is pretty good, but I really think that the the, the, the richness of the world is conveyed in Sapkowski's text, so I, I like those books a lot. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt as a video game is really great. The Witcher lore lines up a lot with Star Wars in terms of like the Witchers being these anomalous warriors that travel the world. Uh the difference being they're not monk like, they're more just functionally bounty hunters that do things for coin. They they do have magic powers though and principles that they follow and rules that feel very Jedi like. But what I really appreciate this about the story is how your guy isn't just like some chosen one. He just happens to be around a lot of circumstances that are world-changing. And while he does witness how the world is changing around him, he himself isn't the most powerful person in the room most of the time. So it is Mm -hmm. more just like bearing witness to the changing world, trying not to succumb to the bleakness of everything, and hopefully guiding the people who do have the power to change things onto a greater world. If you do like agonizing over choices... If you like having intense conversations that are a lot more engaging than the combat of a game, please play Witcher 3. I do think the combat of Witcher 3 is at least a little bit more engaging than the the (laughs) turn-based KOTOR stuff. But trust me when I say you will get exhausted of it eventually. No, it's fundamentally the experience of interacting with that world that makes that story so rich. So I would consider them cousins, and I highly recommend Witcher 3 Wild Hunt if you like KOTOR. Luke, seriously, this was a long time coming. I'm so glad you finally came on the show. I'm really happy with how this episode turned out. And of course, you're always welcome back in the future. But before I let you go for tonight, please, please, please promote yourself for everybody so they know where to find you after this.
1: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sorry it took so long to get uh, on in the first place. Uh, Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter uh, for as long as that's a thing. At Luke is amazing. You can probably find me other places at Luke is amazing as well. Um, Yeah. You can find my uh, medieval history podcast called we're not so different. You can find that wherever you listen to this actually. Um, And then, yeah, if you want to hear me talk me and uh, Kelsey Atherton talk about uh, the old Republic, you can go and find a people's history of the old Republic wherever you're listening to this as well. And uh, yeah, it's, um, it's good fun. You can, uh, you can hear all about KOTOR and KOTOR 2 and all that good shit. You know, skip around. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good shit. Had a lot of fun doing it.
0: Both great podcasts. Please listen to them when you get the chance. If you like this podcast, you're likely to like them too. Thank you, Luke, again for coming on to the show. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Select and Start. Once again, I'm your host, editor, and promoter, Kiefer. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the show a positive review and five stars wherever you're listening to this. Engagement helps the show, and your feedback will help improve it. If you want to get more engaged, give the show a follow on Twitter at SelectPodStart. And if you have thoughts about Knights of the Old Republic or any other games we've discussed, send a DM or leave a comment, and I will gladly read it on the show. You can also support me on Patreon. If you pledge at least $1 a month, you will get early access to new episodes as well as extended episodes with exclusive content. You can also follow me on Twitter at vegeto and find links to the rest of my projects in the description of this episode. The art for this show is made by my best friend, Avery Robin Ott. That's A-V-R-Y, Robin O-T-T. You can follow him on social media as well with that handle. And find the links in the description for his work in there as well. All right. I think that's it. Mucha shakapaka. <laughs>
1: What can I say? I did it all for the Wookiees.